This is an interesting text because Jesus turns from a rich man, a man of means, a man that addressed Jesus last week as we looked at that text and said, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So there was something there worth fighting over. And he turns to his disciples, disciples who have uh, abandoned everything of their lives, walked away from everything, and have nothing as they rely on other people to provide for their needs in following Jesus. And you'd expect Jesus to move away from talking about money. And that now as he addresses those who are relatively poor, that he would stop talking about money and shift to some other area. And yet Jesus in these verses delivers some of his hardest teaching on the subject. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Do not be anxious. Do not be torn into little pieces about your life, about what you will eat or about your body or what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. As I read those words, I kind of thought of it, an old clip that I saw of Bob Newhart, where Bob Newhart's doing some counseling, and a woman comes to him who's afraid of being buried in a box, and she tells him this, and he says, okay, I've got two words for you, and she says, okay, do I need to write these down, and uh, I want you to take these into your life, he tells her, and he looks at her and he says, stop it, and she's like, well, what do you mean? Stop it. I can't tell you how many people ask me that question after I tell them this. Two words. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. And wait, Jesus kind of like a drill sergeant says, you're anxious. Knock it off. I think on one level, he's very right to tell us that. Because as his children... Uh, as children of the Heavenly Father, we're not supposed to be anxious. We shouldn't be anxious. And yet there's nothing worse for us as people than when we're in the grips of an emotion, of an anxiety. And to have someone come to us and say, stop it. Reminds me of the drill sergeants. One day we got in trouble at boot camp. Because we were in a big presentation with somebody important. I don't remember who the important person was. But I remember the phone ringing and one of them yelling out, that better be God calling. It was chaplain school. And, of course, it wasn't. So we were all in trouble. And I still remember the uh, grass-covered sandy hill that we were all standing on as we were doing overhead arm claps. And the sergeants are yelling at us, get your arms up. And we couldn't because we'd done like a hundred of them. And sometimes that's how it feels when God comes to us and he says, what you're doing is, is not right and you need to knock it off. But Jesus is more than a drill sergeant here. He's almost like a surgeon as he kind of takes us down below the surface and shows us what's going on in our hearts. He shows us that, that we as people have this tendency towards being anxious and worried and that we have that tendency because we're looking to the wrong things, looking to the wrong things to give us things that he can only give us, looking to the wrong things for value and worth and security. And he shows us here what we as his children really need. And he shows us the solution to our problem. And our tendency here is 
to look at this text and think about all that's going on when, when he's saying, do not be anxious, do not be worried, and look to the last parable. Look to the last parable where the man's got these great possessions and he wants to build bigger barns so he can have more stuff. And we want to say, oh, the rich people, man, they got it bad. We think of where Jesus says to his disciples, oh, you know, it's harder for a rich person to get into heaven than for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. But here he actually is turning to the disciples. He's turning to the disciples who have relatively no money. And we see that even in the disciples, the disciples have a problem with, with trust and relying on God and they too are anxious and worried about money. When it came to the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus says, feed them. And they said, you want us to spend that much money? We don't have enough. How can we take care of them? Last week we saw that it was possessions. Possessions are not what life is about and we need something more than that. And Jesus this week drills down just a little bit further and says it's even in the necessities of life. Even in the normal, ordinary day things like eating and drinking and clothes and shelter. That our problem can be. And so what he's saying as he gets to it down here in verses 28 and 29 is if your natural drift of your heart is to worry about these things, if, if your heart naturally goes to those places, if that's the pattern of your life, if you have a tendency to overwork or to be absorbed about money or always be checking the bank accounts, seeing where you're at, He's saying that that is where you have set your heart. As he says, And do not set your heart on the things that you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them. And what he's getting at there is that we as people really all need two things. Two things are the bedrock of who we are as people. And these two things start all the way back in childhood. And these two things are things that all the experts agree on that all children must have to grow up and be mostly normal, well-adjusted adults. The first thing is love. Children need love. They need love that gives them, that gives us a deep sense of value, a deep sense of worth, that they, they know that, hey, I've, I'm worth something and that I'm worth being loved as Jesus says, consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet your God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than they? And the second thing that all children need is protection. Protection that, that gives them a deep sense of security and a deep sense of safety that they can live in, a place that they know that they can retreat to and be safe from what's going on in the world around them. And to that, Jesus says, Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, 
which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you? And there Jesus is getting how the world is constantly in flux and constantly in changing, and yet God provides and protects and gives security and safety even to the flowers and dresses them beautifully. Because clothes are things that protect us, protect us from the weather and the elements. And so he's saying that he protects even the grass of the field and adorns it. How much more will he protect us? And into that situation, into that situation where we as people are looking for for value and worth and security, money comes to us and says, I can give you that. I can buffet you against the turbulence of the world. I can give you safety and security. I can give you those things that you need. I can help you weather those storms. I can give you a sense of value and worth. You see, if you get a lot of me, then you know that you're really worth something. If you can get somebody to give you a lot of money for the work that you do, then you know that you are a person of value. And I, with money, can do this without all the messiness of relationship. You can have all that you need in terms of safety and security and value and worth, and you don't have to deal with other people. We see this play out in our lives as adults. It's what happens to us, and I see this a little bit in my own life. When we don't have things as children and we grow up, And all of a sudden, we take money and we make sure that we have those things, right? If we grew up and there wasn't food in the house to eat, then all of a sudden, our pantry has like a year's supply of food because we never want to experience that again. Or if we weren't able to buy the things that we want, we have sort of this thing where we want to go out and get stuff because we didn't have it as a kid. So now I'm going to go out and buy the toys and the clothes and the things that I want. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, and at least I see it in myself, that I can have a tendency towards that, a tendency towards chasing after value and worth and security, and and that money can do that. You know, as I I thought about this, it helped me understand my daughter Bree a little bit, because Bree's adjusting to having a new little one in the house. You guys are about to learn this. And Bree is a little bit jealous of Elise. And so recently, Bree's, you know, started saying, okay, mommy, carry me to the car too. I want you to carry me to the car too. And when mom is taking care of Elise and holding her, Elise always wants, or Bree always wants to be up there too and held too. And the question she's really asking in her bad behavior, in her over-desire for mom's attention is do you still value me? Am I still of worth? Do you still love me? And I think that's a question that's on all of our hearts. We want to know that we have value. We want to know that we have worth. We want to know that we still have somebody looking out for us, keeping us safe, keeping us secure. You see, the thing that we all need The thing that that families give us is this familial love, this love that no matter where we've gone, no matter what we've done, a love that always has to take us in. A love that says, this is the place that you belong. This is the place where you're safe. This is the place where you are completely loved. 
no matter where your life has gone, no matter how much it has fallen apart, no matter what has gone wrong, this is a place where you can have safety and security and value and worth. And I think that's one of the reasons that our world ends up being so broken. Their world has so many problems because there's so many families out there that are, are, are broken and hurting and, and kids grow up without these things. And so they struggle adjusting to life because they never had that sense of value and worth. They never had that sense of safety and security and especially those that grew up without parents. And that's kind of where it hits home for us sometimes a little bit. Is we want to do the best for our kids. And as we are trying to do the best for our kids, we look at ourselves and we, we look to money and we say, if I just have enough money, then I can really give them safety and security. And if I provide for them just right, then they're going to grow up and everything's going to be okay for them. And yet sometimes our lives fall apart. Things don't go as we planned and we're barely hanging on and we're struggling to give our kids that sense of safety and security and love and value and worth that they need. And yet Jesus knows that this is a problem for us as people. Because back in the text where he gives us his prayer to pray, he says that all parents will fail us. He even goes so far as to say, all parents are evil. Hear what he says in chapter 11. Which of your fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, you who are evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will your father in heaven? I think that's kind of interesting. It's kind of a crazy text. He's talking to just a random group of people, and he says, oh, by the way, you're all evil. And if you guys who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more does my Father in heaven, who is perfect love, know how to give good gifts to you? And where we go wrong, Jesus also shows that, us that in this text, is that we often think we know what we need. And that's why we can get so worried about things, Right? We look at a situation, a promotion, a possible move, something that's going on in our family, and we think we know exactly how it needs to go down, right? We think, oh, I know how this needs to go because if it goes like this, then everything's going to work out okay. And yet in our text, Jesus says, in the midst of the pagans and everybody running after all these things, who is it that ultimately knows? Your Father, your Father knows what you need. You don't. We don't. We don't know what's going to happen later today or tomorrow, but our Father does. And the other place where we can go wrong is that we can try and control our lives. Like Jesus was getting at when he says, you can't even add a single hour to your life. This isn't an excuse to not eat healthy and exercise and all that stuff, by the way. But he's saying, you can't do that. You can't control that. And so with money, we try and control our lives. And when, when money goes away, we say, oh, I'm losing control. Well, no, you're not losing control. You're losing the illusion 
of control. You were never in control to begin with. See, money plays to our God complex. It says, you can take control of the situation. You can determine how things go. And Jesus comes into that situation in our lives and says, you're forgetting something. You're forgetting the most fundamental truth to who you are. You're forgetting that you have a father. You have a father that knows you better than you know yourself. A father who knows exactly what you need. And what he's getting at is a truth that Paul talks about when he writes to the Ephesians. And he says, all parents are pointing to our true father. As he writes in chapter 3, Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I know that's kind of a cryptic thing, but what he actually says there, from whom every fatherhood in heaven and on earth gets its name. And what he's getting at is that every family is just, just a training wheels, a, a preparation ground to introduce us to our real Father, our real Father that can really provide those things that we need, that can really give us the safety and security that we need, the real Father who can really give us a sense of value and worth. And in the midst of our lives where we're busy trying to build our own kingdoms, our Father comes and speaks to us so tenderly, so gently, and says to us, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. In other words, the kingdom is already yours. The kingdom has already been given to you. He's already given you all that you need. We're busy trying to find something to satisfy our hunger, Think of Juarez here, a long day working in the hot sun, drinking water. You go back and we ate, uh, cook from Wisconsin was our, our cook for the week that we were down there. Nothing wrong with Wisconsin, but their spices are Midwestern spices, which I grew up with. You got ketchup, salt, pepper, and uh, ranch. <laughs> and so one night, uh, Miguel, the guy that lives down there, cooked for us, and he made mystery meat tacos, and they were awesome. Oh my gosh. I think I figured out all the meats. It was bologna and hot dog and ground beef. And then there was a little bit of carne asada in there. But they were, oh, they were so good. And so what happened? Oh, man, I got home and we sat down at the tables. And all of us are gathered around. And he's got all these salsas and things on the table. And it's so good. And I ate like four of them. And then what happened? I didn't feel so good. And that's what we do in life. We, we go around and we're trying to satisfy this hunger, this deep need inside of us by, with money and chasing after things. And sometimes we get too much of it and we hoard it and it makes us sick or we don't have enough of it and we're longing for it and we're chasing after it. And into the midst of that, God comes to us and says, I know exactly what you need. I know what your heart needs and I have it for you. When you're busy trying to fix all this little brokenness in your life and in your world, I'm working on a grand project. A grand project where I'm going to heal the entire world. But then the question is, how do I know that? 
How can I have that security in my heart? How can I, I have that, that, that certainty that I can anchor my heart to when things get rough and things are uneasy? Keep on thinking about my little brother. He's up in uh, Colorado right now, and he was talking about how they were training him about how to stay out of the middle of bear cubs and the mama bear because what happens when you get in that spot? Bad things. And so that's kind of one of the things that happens to, to mama bears is when they have their kids, there's this hormonal thing where they will do anything for that child, whether it's another child of theirs or, or somebody else, anything they can to protect that child. And so it actually reminded me of one of my favorite verses from Isaiah. And God says this to us as his children. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she bore? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. See, I have engraved your names on the palms of my hands. God has promised us in his son Jesus that he has taken us and buried us deep within his own heart. That he has such love for us that he sacrificed everything that was precious to him for us to make us his treasure. And it's his good pleasure to give us that kingdom. And if that is anchored deep down within your heart, no matter what storms come in your life, you will continue to sail straight and true. And those storms in life will only make you more of who God has designed you to be and help you see that kingdom that is coming for you. The kingdom of the Father, which is yours and mine in the grace of Jesus. Amen.